the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. See, there's only one way that a person can prove their sincerity, and that is through obedience. So often we confess God with our lips, but we deny Him with our lives. You know, it's not difficult to recite a memorized creed, but it is difficult to live the Christian life. Faith without works is a contradiction, and love without obedience is impossible. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And he's continuing today in the Sermon on the Mount, tackling one of the more thorny issues within the Christian faith. How do we reconcile faith, grace, and works? And I might suggest you grab a piece of paper and a pencil and be prepared to take some notes. Here's Pastor Leighton. Matthew presents Jesus as king. Some of the scholars have identified the Sermon on the Mount as the manifesto of the king. A kingdom is wherever the will of the king takes priority. And if we want to be in the kingdom of heaven, which is also known as the kingdom of God, the titles are used interchangeably or almost interchangeably in scripture, then God's will needs to take priority in our lives. And in order for that to take place, we need to know what his will is. And that's why we're studying the Sermon on the Mount, because in it, Jesus describes his kingdom and what is expected of its citizens. Now, we come to the conclusion in the final verses, uh, Jesus is warning his hearers about things that can hinder us from making that full and final commitment. He's been speaking in terms of contrasting images. He speaks of uh, two gates and two paths. He speaks of two trees or teachers. Two claims or professions of faith, two builders or foundations, and in each case, uh, the choice for one leads to heaven, the choice for the other leads to destruction. And, And if the contrast between two gates or paths describes apathy, and the contrast between two teachers, a true and false teacher, describes deceit, then the contrast between two professions describes hypocrisy. It's professing faith in Jesus Christ while actually disobeying and rejecting him. In our actions. In the parallel passage that's found in Luke chapter 6, just before Jesus describes the houses built on rock and sand, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? See, there's only one way that a person can prove their sincerity, and that is through obedience. And, and, and there's no point in saying we love someone when we do things that break that person's heart. So, so often we confess God with our lips, but we deny him with our lives. You know, it's not difficult to recite a memorized creed, but it is difficult to live the Christian life. And without works, it's a uh, faith without works is a contradiction, and love without obedience is impossible. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So let's look at what Jesus said here, beginning of verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. 
Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Now the passage here is filled with the idea of judgment, that someday there's going to be a day of reckoning. And in this life, a person might put up pretense and and use disguises, but there's going to come a day when those disguises are stripped away. We might be able to deceive people with our words and our actions, but we cannot deceive God. Psalm 139 says, Thou discernest my thoughts from afar. And no one can deceive God who sees our heart and knows our thoughts. Now let's look at this passage, this very important passage in greater detail. Jesus says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now the word Lord was used in a variety of ways. Originally it referred to the owner of something. And then later it became to be associated with important people. It became a, uh, a form of address in polite society like we use sir and ma'am today. The Romans used it to describe their kingdom, their, their emperor as Lord. Uh, the worshipers in the Greek and Roman temples would refer to their gods as Lord. And when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, which was the common language of the Roman Empire, about 200 years before Christ, the word Lord was employed to translate the divine name Yahweh. Now here, Lord could simply be a polite address, but The scenario is described on Judgment Day when uh, the reality of Christ is revealed. and So it is really a a reference to divinity. And the greeting here implies that these people in question claim to belong to him. They are claiming that he is their Lord. Lord is one of the titles that Jesus used, like Son of Man, to refer to himself in a way that would reveal his divine identity. And when Jesus is talking about Lord, Lord, he's not saying it's a bad thing to call him Lord, Lord, but that that alone is insufficient. It needs to be associated by obedience. Verse 22, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So what Jesus is saying here is it's possible for a person to have been baptized and take communion, perhaps even be in church leadership or a missionary and still never have been born again. Neither accurate doctrine nor mighty works necessarily prove entrance into the kingdom of heaven. The determinative factor is obedience to do the will of God. And to do the God's will implies a relationship with God. The ability to communicate with him and know his will and then be able to perform it. Religious words and religious works are no substitute for obedience. Preaching, casting out demons, performing miracles give no assurance of salvation. And the fact that people can say and do these things and yet not be converted means that throughout the history of the church, 
There had been people who are nominal Christians or counterfeit Christians within. And some of them are dangerous because they're planted there by the devil to sow discord and dissension. And others are simply self-deluded. It is important that we never place our trust in leaders, that we always place our trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? Amen. So Christ's words here are a warning to those who have received and accepted a few doctrines and do a few good works, but they've never really entered into true discipleship and true obedience. Now again, and this is important for us to understand, the fact that miracles are taking place around an individual and even the fact that those miracles are being done in the name of Jesus is not in and of itself conclusive evidence that that individual is saved. Dr. J. Vernon McGee wrote, Folk talk enthusiastically about certain so-called miracle workers today. And they say to me, you can tell God is with them. Well, in light of these verses, can we be sure of that? The name of Christ is on the lips of many people who are leaders of cults and isms. Just to use the name of Christ in the Bible is not proof that a system is genuine. It is not the outward profession, but the inward relationship to a crucified but living Savior that is all important. These are the words of Dr. J. Vernon McGee. False disciples might exercise power in Jesus' name, but that's still not an indication that they have been saved. Remember that God can speak through a donkey. So Jesus exposed these people who sounded religious and did good deeds, but they really had no personal relationship with them. He said that they would uh, prophesy. Now, when we hear the word prophesy, probably the first thing we think about is foretelling, telling the future. Prophecies in the Old Testament, when we hear that, we think about the prophecies that foretold, for instance, the description of Christ, so we would know him when he came. And prophecy can include that, but it's not limited to that, because prophecy not only includes foretelling, but forth-telling, or telling forth, or speaking the truth, like it's in preaching and teaching. So these could be preachers that Jesus is referencing here. Jesus warned false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect, if that were possible, in Mark 13. The Apostle Paul warned against counterfeit miracle signs and wonders in 2 Thessalonians 2.9. Jesus talks about on that day, and he's speaking about the day of judgment, a day when God will settle all accounts, he will judge sin, and he will reward faith. Do you notice here that Jesus places himself as judge? He says, many will say to me. When it comes time for appealing, they're going to be appealing to Jesus. And he's going to say, I never knew you. Now, that doesn't mean that he was ignorant of their existence, but rather that he never recognized them for what they claimed to be. He's going to say, I never knew you away from me. I never had a personal relationship with you. I I never went with you when you did these things and said these words. You have no part of my kingdom. He says, you who work. Now, it's important for us to realize that this renders a participle that conveys the meaning of habitual practice, not occasional error. All of us occasionally stumble. 
All of us occasionally fail. All of us occasionally fall into sin. But he's not talking about that. He's talking about a practice, a lifestyle of lawlessness. Lawlessness is rejection of the law of God. The word there is often translated evildoers. Now, it is true that no person enters the kingdom because of their obedience. But it's equally true that no person enters the kingdom who is not obedient. And it's true that men are saved by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But it's also true that God's grace in a person's life produces obedience. Pastor Leighton Sheely is obviously sharing some foundational understandings from God's Word. And we're going to take just a bit of a break from this series and come back to it next week with parts two and three. I hope you can be with us then. That'll be on Monday and Tuesday of next week. This is a broadcast outreach called Verse by Verse and is brought to you by the congregation at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno on the web at highlands.us and also reachable by phone at 650-873-4095. If you have any questions, please give us a call or check us out on the web. I'm Mike Trout. Thank you for joining us. Come back tomorrow when we'll begin a three-part look at an equally difficult topic, money, and study verse by verse.